A few minutes we'll read Luke 18, 1 through 8, if you want to go ahead and turn to that, if you want to read along. So last Sunday, Jenny and Judah and I were in the Dallas airport. We had had a wonderful time away, seeing friends and just relaxing. But walking into that airport instantly plunged me down into the real world of work and worry and laundry and dishes and bank balances and bills. And I could see that same stress and anxiety and exhaustion in our fellow travelers. Yes, there were some of those lucky souls in flowered linen shirts and flip-flops and straw hats headed to some paradise. Nobody likes those people. But then there were the rest of us, business people for whom travel had become a chore and elders waiting in wheelchairs and moms and dads like us loaded down with bags threatening our children. And then I looked up at the TV. After a weekend of only watching cartoons and football, the real world of the news demanded my attention. Russian nuclear threats and war in Ukraine and hurricane damage and protest in Iran and global inflation I had to look away. My heart sunk. And then from my headphones, I heard your voices singing from the live stream from this sanctuary. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is King. Let heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. And as you sang, I looked at the people all around me. Some smiling, some grimacing, some just dead tired. People in military uniforms and hoodies and hijabs and cowboy hats, people that reflected the palette of God's crayon box, speaking English and Spanish and Arabic and other languages I did not recognize. And I found myself wanting to shout over all the evidence to the contrary, this is our Father's world. Why should our hearts be sad? I wanted to say to them what I was saying to myself. Don't. Give up. According to Luke, Jesus tells today's story to show us why we should always pray and not give up. That's how the New International Version translates it. And now I'll read from chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Luke, Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she might not wear me out by continually coming. 
The Greek is something more like, literally, so she won't black my eye. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. Jesus' words really gave me pause, especially that introduction, because in today's world, it seems that fewer and fewer people believe that prayer is actually a source of hope or encouragement or resilience. Every time there's a mass shooting in our country, many leaders and ordinary people say, and I think mostly genuinely, that they are offering thoughts and prayers for the victims and their families. When we look at the evil of this world, it is easy to be overwhelmed. And we don't know what to do. It doesn't feel like there's anything we can do. And so we cry out to God, the only one who we believe can actually do something about it. The only one whom we believe can actually change hearts and minds and change this world for the better. But then... Others of us, especially the victims of these atrocities and their family members, say back loudly, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. It's hard to believe that old adage, prayer changes things, when we look at a world that feels like it's not changing. A world that feels like it's getting more violent and destructive. It's hard for us to hear thoughts and prayers without also seeing real action toward better outcomes. So which side of this debate is Jesus on? I think Jesus would say that both sides are right and both sides are wrong. I think you would agree with Reinhold Niebuhr who taught us that we should pray, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Accept not meaning that we the death-dealing circumstances of our lives are acceptable, but naming the injustices, the injuries, the heartbreaks of our lives again and again as many times as we need before the Almighty God who is making all things right even if we cannot see it. Our prayers are entrusting these unacceptable things to the Father whose kingdom is coming and whose will is being done and will be done until earth is as it is in heaven. Our prayers allow us to know God's holy heart, which breaks from the most personal prayer request, that seemingly minor hurt or fear that we don't feel like is worthy of sharing at prayer request time on Wednesday night, to the weight of this groaning earth that feels like it's on the brink of destruction. God's heart breaks over it all. Jesus tells us a human judge might finally act not because he has compassion or wants to do the right thing, but because he's tired of this little old lady bothering him. How much more, dear children, does the Father who wove us together in our mother's wombs, each and every one of us, all 7.753 billion of us, how much more does our Father long to help and to heal us? 
prayer might not seem to change anything outside of us, but it can change us. As St. Therese of Lisieux wrote centuries ago, prayer is the surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. When we pray, we give ourselves the chance to be embraced by the God who loves us in trial and in joy. And that makes all the difference. But is that all? Is Jesus saying we should just give it all to God and wait for God to act? One of the most troubling parts of this scripture for me today is that Jesus says, and will God not, not grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. As I think about my own life, as I think about the life of this world, it seems like God's help is delayed. It feels like justice is coming, if justice is coming at all, it's coming far too slowly. And I imagine these words from Jesus were even more troubling to the people St. Luke was writing to. The people who first read or heard these words that we read this morning had every reason to lose heart. They had been praying as their parents had taught them, as the disciples had taught their parents, as Jesus had taught the disciples more than 50 years before, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the earth was mostly just the same. And maybe it was even less like heaven than before as these believers tried to keep following Jesus after His death and faced the pain and persecution of a nasty split with the synagogue, and struggled under the violent and repressive rule of the Roman Empire. They had been taught by their parents, who had been taught by the disciples, who had been taught by Jesus that Christ was coming soon. But He was delayed, and the kingdom He said was coming was not coming quickly enough. But perhaps they might have also remembered that Jesus taught the kingdom of God is within you. And they might have realized that often God invites us to become the answers to our own prayers. I think Jesus would have agreed with Reinhold Niebuhr that we should also pray, God, grant me the courage to change the things I can. We can change things. Mahatma Gandhi once said, prayer is not an old woman's idle amusement. Properly understood and applied, it is the most potent instrument of action. It sounds like Gandhi read today's parable. This old woman Jesus told us about surely prayed for justice, but she also took potent action, appearing before the judge so many times that he felt like he was getting beat black and blue. Mother Teresa wrote this, I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us, and we change things. Now, I don't think it has to be an either-or, that either God answers our prayers and changes things, or we change things. There are too many stories of God's real and tangible answers to prayers in our lives to make so simple a distinction. But I do think that often God answers prayers through us. 
And so the message today is keep praying. Keep trying to be God's answer to prayer. And don't give up. Don't give up is especially a message I want our young people to hear. A few Sundays ago, I was down in the basement with our youth group and it was getting close to time for their parents to pick them up. And I was leading a lesson and I thought, we really don't have time to do anything else. And Natalie's hand shot up and she said, can we do prayer requests? I somehow hadn't even thought about that. But they knew, and I now know, that prayer was the most important thing we could have done that night. Thank you, Natalie. They asked for prayer for sick and dying pets. They asked for prayer for the family of the groundskeeper from the golf club who died in a car accident. They asked for prayer for strength to deal with a possible mental health diagnosis. They asked for prayer for the violence to end in their schools and for peace in the midst of their fear and anxiety. They asked for prayer for their loved ones caught in the path of hurricanes and people that they didn't even know in the Pacific who were facing typhoons. And they asked for prayer for the protection of the people of Ukraine and for Iranian protesters. And they asked for prayer because they just felt like everybody they know is struggling so deeply right now. And when I got home, I was all in my feels because they were just so overcome by these things. There was such a heaviness in that room. Think about it. This generation has never known a pre-9-11 world. This generation has not ever been able to feel safe and secure at school. This generation has never known a political system in which the common good triumphed over party loyalty. This generation knows the depth of the damage we have done to this earth, and they are not sure how long life can continue without enough clean air or clean water, and in which hundred-year floods and record heats happen every single year. This generation carries the problems of the world on their shoulders. I never watched the news when they were, I was their age, but they knew more than I did about what was going on that night. No wonder they struggle with anxiety. But yet that night in that youth room, I also found that this generation has hope. They have the hope to pray and they have the hope to act. And so to my friends in the youth group, I say keep praying and keep acting and don't give up. This is not the first time that the world has felt like it's falling apart and it won't be the last. Time and time again in our history, we have seen faithful people praying and God answering prayer. And God will continue to hear prayers and answer prayers. And maybe God will answer prayer through you. As I was writing this sermon, I was thinking of volunteer fans praying for 15 years to beat Alabama. And they did it last night. But seriously... As I was writing this sermon, I was kept thinking of the words of Jim Valvano. Don't give up. Never give up. Now, Jimmy V was much loved and hated over his career as the NC State basketball coach, but he is now beloved even by this Tar Heel. 
As he was dying of cancer, he cried out a prayer of sorts. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And with those words, Valvano launched the Jimmy V Foundation, which has raised $290 million for cancer research. Think about how much progress we have made since 1994. Think about how much progress we made in the years before that. Cancer is still among the leading causes of death worldwide. And more than 600,000 will die of cancer in the U.S. just this year. And we all know the cruelty of that disease firsthand in our families and in our church. But think of the advances that have been made in the quality and the duration of life because of people like Jimmy V and other advocates and foundations. And may that give us hope as we cry out with the widows and the widowers who cared for children and grandchildren and spouses till the end and keep praying day and night for a cure. As I was writing this sermon, I thought about the prayer that was found written on a concentration camp wall in Cologne, Germany during World War II. I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. And I believe in love, even when there's no one there. But I believe in God, even when He's silent. I believe through any trial, there is always a way. As this prayer was written, there were faithful Jews like him, this one, and along with faithful Christians crying out to God day and night, and people of all faiths and no faith at all, praying and working and fighting to stop Nazi Germany as they killed six million Jews. But because of the prayers and actions of many in this darkest hour, many other camps were liberated and many other Jews were also saved. And the world said, never again. May the faith of this anonymous poet and all those others give us hope as we still struggle to live up to that promise, never again. And finally, as I wrote this sermon, I thought of the writer of our closing hymn, James Weldon Johnson. Johnson was the first African-American secretary of the NAACP back in 1917. He was working for civil rights in a time when there were still people living who had been enslaved and still people living who directly benefited from slavery. Can you imagine that? He would not live to see African Americans receive the right to vote or attend desegregated schools. He would not live to see the dramatic change in hearts and minds that got us to where we are today. But yet, James Walden Johnson prayed fervently and acted to be God's answer to prayer. In the decades that followed his death, many of his prayers were answered in ways that he would never would have imagined. And his words give us hope as we still cry out to God day and night, why ever, why, why ever we cry out. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou hast brought us thus far on the way. Thou who has by the might led us into the light. Keep us forever in the path, we pray. You know that this is just the beginning of the stories we could tell. And for you young people, if you talk to your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents, they could tell you countless stories like this from their own lives or from history of people who kept praying like this widow. My friends, 
keep praying, and don't ever, ever give up.